Amen. Thank you very much. Praise the Lord that he hears us when we call. Isn't that awesome? I want you to do me a favor since we're all so tired. Everybody take your cell phone out. Make sure it's off. Pastor Holland said that the website said something different, so I was going on the website to see, and I had clicked on um, some music that my wife had sent me the other day, and when you open Safari on your iPhone, it just automatically starts playing, apparently. So that was my fault. So my phone's off now. So if you could all do me the same favor. All right, Joshua chapter 9. Joshua chapter 9. Joshua chapter 9. I don't particularly call myself a deceitful person. But there's one time in particular I did something purposefully deceitful. Like I I really meant to do it. Not like, oh no, I'm caught. No, this was like almost planned. And I'm going to tell you about it. Beth was pregnant with Maya. She was ready to get that baby out. Ladies, I'm sure you've been there. She didn't want to be pregnant anymore. We happened to be out at Popeye's. My wife loves frozen yogurt. And at the time, Popeye's had a frozen yogurt portion of the store to the right-hand side of the store. And so we were there getting frozen yogurt. And if anybody knows anything about my wife, she struggles to pick a flavor. So for instance, you go into the frozen yogurt place and there's all these flavors. She gets one of those little cups and walks through the entire thing and tastes every one of them. I walk up to one, the same one I've had for the last 15 years, Down it goes, up I go, I put it on the little scale thing, and out I go, and I eat it, and I've got it gone just about by the time she picks hers. So that's frustrating to me. So she's trying to choose which one she wants, and it came down to two. Now, I don't remember what the one was, but I do remember that one flavor was coconut. I remember it. I said, You need to pick coconut. You need to pick something. Let's hurry up. Let's get going. All of these different things. This is where I became deceitful. She's pregnant. She wants to get this baby out. You know what I told her? I said, you know, I heard coconut helps induce labor. (laughs) She looks at me, really? It's like, yeah, totally. Now, at this time, again, we're, we're taking drives down back roads, bumpy roads. We're walking like crazy. We're doing all kinds of things. And so she's like, sweet. So immediately, hello, guys, it worked. <laughs> she picks coconut. We go on our merry way. So a couple days go by, and we're back here at the church. Next door in the fellowship hall, and we're doing some setting up, cleaning up, and Pastor Holland was there. Pastor Holland, as his, his usual case, comes by to my wife and asks her how she's doing. You know, how's the pregnancy going, everything going good? And Beth begins to be like, ah, I'm just ready to have this baby out. And she's like, I'm even eating lots of coconut. I couldn't handle it anymore. <laughs> I started laughing. And I, I have no idea what Pastor Holland's face was. But I'm dying. I'm laughing. And my wife looks at me and she's like, what are you laughing at? And she, <laughs> I couldn't stand it anymore. So I said, I lied. I completely made that up, and she says, no, you did not. I'm like, yes, I did. Complete. I said, it could. I don't even know. It might. But I completely made it up. And she said, 
I've been drinking everything coconut flavored that I can find. I've been eating uh, coconut flavored chocolate bars. I've been eating everything coconut I could find. And you lied to me. So I was deceitful. Slightly. (laughs) You know what she was though? She was focused and if you will entrapped to the idea that coconut would induce labor. So if she had a choice between coconut frozen yogurt and vanilla, she'd take the coconut. She was entrapped to coconut. Deceit is a powerful and effective tool for evil. For evil. Write this down if you would. Believing deceit places a burden that is not easily removed. Even after I told my wife I was lying, she still didn't really believe me. So now, she, now I know why she never trusts me about anything anymore. Because I lied to her. Deceit, is a, uh, deceit places a burden that is not easily removed. But guys, funny story, this is where we find the children of Israel, oddly enough. They have just made a decision. We saw last week that they were going to change their direction. They were going to follow after Christ. This was their whole goal. This was, they were set on a proper course, and they are now heading in the right direction, which is wonderful. And I hope some of you made decision toward that. And if you did make a decision, I hope you're still in that same direction. Hope you maintain that direction over the last week. But I want you to see Joshua chapter 9. We're going to read a few verses here. Joshua chapter 9 and verse 1. The Bible says this. And it came to pass when all the kings which were on this side Jordan in the hills and in the valleys and in the coasts of the great sea over against Lebanon, the Hittite and the Amorite and the Canaanite and the Perizzite and the Hivite and the Jebusite heard thereof that they gathered themselves together to fight with Joshua with Israel with one accord. Verse 3, And when the inhabitants of Gibeon heard what Joshua had done unto Jericho and to Ai, they did work willily and went And made as if they had been ambassadors and took old sacks upon their asses and wine bottles old and rent and bound up and old shoes and clouded upon their feet and old garments upon them. And all the bread of their provision was dry and moldy. And they went to Joshua under the camp at Gilgal and said unto him and to the men of Israel, We become from a far country, now therefore make ye a league with us. And the men of Israel said unto the Hivites, Peradventure, ye dwell among us. And how shall we make a league with you? And they said unto Joshua, We are thy servants. And Joshua said unto them, Who are ye? And from whence come ye? And they said unto him, From a very far country thy servants are come, because of the name of the Lord thy God. For we have heard the fame of him and all that he did in Egypt and all that he did to the two kings of the Amorites that were beyond Jordan to Sihon, king of Heshbon, and to Og, king of Bashan, which was at Ashtaroth. Wherefore our elders and all the inhabitants of our country spake to us, saying, Take victuals with you for the journey and go to meet them and say unto them, We are your servants. Therefore now make ye a league with us, this our bread we took hot for our provisions out of our houses on the day we came forth, to go unto you. But now, behold, it is dry and it is moldy. And these bottles of wine which were filled were new, and behold, they be rent, and these our garments and our shoes are become old by reason of the very long journey. The men took of their victuals and asked not counsel, at the mouth of the Lord, and Joshua made peace with them and made a league with them. 
to let them live. And the princes of the congregation swear unto them, verse 16, and it came to pass at the end of three days after they had made a league with him that they heard that they were their neighbors and that they had dwelt among them. I want to preach to you a message I've entitled this morning, The Weight of Deceit. The Weight of Deceit. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for the opportunity that you've given us to be here this morning. Thank you so much for everybody getting up this morning early to be here. And I pray, Father, that it would not be a waste of their time. But they would receive something from your word today about how we can put aside this weight of deceit. Help us not to fall to it. Father, I pray that you would keep us focused on you. Keep us focused on your cross. Thank you so much for dying on the cross so that we could have an eternal home in heaven. And Father, I pray that you would help us to stay, remain focused on that. We love you so much for it. And we pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. I hope you caught verse 14. The Bible says, and ask not counsel at the mouth of the Lord. We talked a little bit last week about how our direction needs to be, every, our steps ought to be ordered by the Lord. Everything we ought to do ought to be ordered by the Lord. We should be asking God what, what we should be doing each and every day. And we make 35,000 decisions a day. And we should be begging God to know what the right decision is each and every moment of every day. But the majority of us would say this. Would never, we would never say, I want to walk away from God. There, there, I don't think there, there may be. I'm, I'm just assuming that the majority of us would never say, yep, I'm done. I don't want to be here. I'm, I'm done with God. I would never even want to go that way. I want to be in opposition to God. Most of us aren't going to say that. But how do we end up there? How do we end up apart from God? How do we end up away from God? How do we end up separated from God? All too often, can I give you this? It's not because we want to. It's because we're deceived. It's not because we want to. It's because we are deceived. I would like to show you four ways this morning from this passage that Satan deceives us and weighs us down. Again, you saw verse 14. And ask not counsel at the mouth of the Lord. You see, every one of these deceits, I don't want to just give you a burden. I don't want to weigh you down with the fact that there are deceits in the world. I want to give you something that will be able to help you as well. Every single one of these deceits can be easily managed with counsel out of the mouth of the Lord. Counsel from the Lord comes in the form of two ways, prayer and Bible reading. So you, you're going to look at these deceitful things and you're going to go, oh my goodness, yes, I've seen those things before. Oh my goodness, I'm not sure what I can do about these things. And you're going to sit there and maybe writhe your hands and just not understand what to do. But can I give you an answer? There's going to be scripture in this. There's going to be a place where you can go, where you can find counsel at the mouth of the Lord. I want you to see number one, Satan can deceive us with where we are from. Satan can deceive us with where we are from. Look at verse 6 with me. These men of Gibeon come to him at Gilgal, and they went to Joshua, the camp of Gilgal, and said unto him and to the men of Israel, watch this, we become from a far country. 
Now therefore make ye a league with us. Look at verse 9. And they said unto him, from a very far country thy servants are come. And we, I mean, you can see this all throughout this passage, but understand this. They lie to him. They lie to the children of Israel and say, we are come from a very far country. I hope you know this. Satan is the father of lies. He is called the great deceiver. He wants to deceive you. He wants to destroy you. He wants to weigh you down. So obviously the people of Gibeon are lying. They're actually from the area, not far away. But in order for the children of Israel to believe them, they must lie. If they said, hey, we're just from around the corner and uh, you are supposed to conquer us, but will you not, please? Doesn't have the same effect, does it? So they have to lie if they want to be freed from this. Satan does the same thing to us, though. Satan will often come to you, and you know what he'll do? He'll remind you of your past. He'll remind you of what you used to do. He will deceive you and tell you you can't overcome your past. He will use your past against you. He will say things like this. Don't you remember where you're from? Don't you remember what you have done? You know what what else he's going to say? You don't deserve that. You don't deserve to be God's child. You, you, you don't deserve anything God has to give you. You're a terrible, rotten, no good, very bad person. That's what Satan does. Guys, I've been there. I got saved when I was four years old. I knew Jesus Christ as my personal Savior when I was four. Listen, I've never smoked. I've never drank. I've never done any of those things. I've never even thought about doing those things. But listen, Satan comes to me and says, Johnny, you're no good. You can't do this. You don't deserve it. And listen, there's an element here of truth. Do you understand that? There is an element here of truth. Do I deserve to stand in this place here today? No, I do not. No, I do not. Do I deserve to have the family that I have? No, I don't. Do I deserve to have the house that I have? Do I deserve to be in this position in my life? Absolutely not. There's no way, shape, or form that I deserve it. But you know what? Ephesians chapter 2. You all have to turn over there with me. Ephesians chapter 2. You have to see this for yourself. Look at verse 1. Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 1. The Bible says this. And you. That's you. And you hath he quickened who were dead in trespasses and sins. Notice the phraseology, were, past tense. You hath he quickened, present tense. He made you alive who were dead in your trespasses and sins. Jump down to verse 4. Watch this. But God, who is rich in mercy. For his great love wherewith he loved us, even when we were dead in sins, had quickened us together with Christ. Watch this. By grace ye are saved, and hath raised us up together, and made us to sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Listen, Satan is going to come to you, and he's going to say you're no good. Satan's going to come to you and say you don't deserve. And Satan's going to come to you and say all kinds of terrible things about your past, and only he knows your past as well as you do. 
He is the accuser of the brethren, and he wants to accuse you and tell you where you're from and bring that up. But he's deceiving you because you're going to say, you're not, you're correct. My past does stink. My past is terrible. I have done some dumb things. I have wrecked my life. I have done this, that, and the other thing. But the grace of God, but by the grace of God, he has lifted me up into heavenly places. It doesn't matter what I did in the past, Satan, because that is past. That is gone. I was dead in my trespasses and sins, but now I am made alive. I read a quote this week from another pastor by the name of Craig Rochelle. He said this, Jesus didn't come to make a bad person good. He came to make dead people alive. Man. Guys, he didn't, you, you were bad. But that doesn't matter. Christ took you from death unto life. It doesn't matter if you're bad back here. Listen, all that matters is moving forward. Keeping Christ in your view. Don't let the weight of your past hold you down. Kick Satan in the teeth with the word of God and say, but for the grace of God, I am what I am. But for the grace of God, I am moving forward. But I want you to see what else happens here in Joshua chapter 9. Go back there with me. Joshua chapter 9. Look at verse 7. Joshua chapter 9 and verse 7. This is so interesting to me. The Bible says this. And the men of Israel said unto the Hivites, Peradventure ye dwell among us, and how shall we make a league with you? So do you see what they're saying? The Hivites come to the men of Gibeon and say, hey, we're from a very far country and we've got all this stuff and this, that, and the other thing. And they're putting this facade on. You know what the men of Israel say? What if you're actually from around here? How do we know that this is right? And look at verse 8. And they said unto Joshua, we are thy servants. And Joshua said to them, who are ye? And from whence coming, he's asking these follow-up questions. Hey, what's going on? And they again reassure him. They question the validity of their story. What, hey, what if you're lying to us? What if, what if you're actually live close to us? Can I, can I get you to write this down too? Because you need to know this. The power of deceit lies in its endurance. The power of deceit lies in its endurance. Listen, do you think Satan's just going to stop at the first time you quote Ephesians chapter 2 to him? Do you think he's going to stop and say, oh, oh, okay, I'm sorry. Or do you think he's going to walk about as a roaring lion seeking? Listen, he's just not looking. He's seeking. He's desperately looking. He's trying to find a flaw in you. Listen, and if he can endure far more than you can endure, then he's got you. Listen, do you see what happened? They asked good questions. They gave good rebuttal. Hey, how do we know? Who are you? They, they began continuing. But you know what the men of Gibeon did? They didn't, they didn't waver. They didn't just give up. They, they said, no, we're, we're your servants. We're from a very far country. We're your servants. We're from a very far country. We're your servants. They didn't flinch. They stuck to their story. You're going to fight Satan. You're going to read Ephesians chapter 2 to him. You're going to spend time looking at that. And he's going to come back with, yeah, but. Yeah, but this. 
Yeah, but did you ever think about this? Did you ever think about that? Listen, Satan's not going to give up the first time. You're going to have to be persistent. You're going to have to have endurance. The Bible tells us that we should endure hardness as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. You're going to have to rest in the knowledge of what the Bible says about your position and your relationship. Do you realize that? There are going to be times when Satan can be very convincing. There are going to be times when your past is your past and you don't really know what to do with it. But listen, put it aside. Rest in the fact of Ephesians chapter 2 and so many other passages about what God says you are now. Your position in him and your relationship with him. Can I give you this to write down as well? Satan will weigh you down with guilt. But God will move you forward with conviction. Understand the difference. Listen, if you sin, hear me, if you sin, you should be sorry. If you're doing wrong, you should be sorry. But understand this, God does not want to weigh you down with that guilt. He wants to convict you. He wants to mold you. He wants to shape you. Why? So that you can move forward. That's God's goal for your life, but not Satan's. Satan wants to get you down. He wants to hold you there. He wants to weigh you down. So understand this. Listen, if something's going on in your head and you just don't know whether it's guilt or conviction, ask yourself this question. Is it going to move me forward or is it going to weigh me down? Because Satan wants to weigh you down with guilt. He wants to lie, deceive you with where you're from. Number two, he deceives us with the usefulness of our gifts. This ties in. Look at verse 4 of Joshua chapter 9. The Bible says this, They did work willily and went and made as if they had been ambassadors and took old sacks and upon their asses and wine bottles, old and rent and bound up, and old shoes and clouded upon their feet and old garments upon them and all the bread of their provision was dry and moldy. Jump down to verse 12. The Bible says this, This our bread we took hot for our provision out of our houses on the day we came forth to go unto you. But now... Behold, it is dry and it is moldy, and these bottles of wine which we filled were new, and behold, they be rent. And these, our garments and our shoes, are become old by reason of the very long journey. These men of Gibeon came with everything they owned worn out. It looked as if they had nothing to offer, they had nothing to give. They were worn out, they were old, they were crusty. Satan does the same thing to us. Again, along with your past, he will come to you and say, you have nothing to offer. You are no good. You don't have any skills. You don't have any talents. You are useless. Can I tell you this? He will tell you that when you have something to offer, he'll tell you, nah, nobody really needs that. Hey, I'm thinking about this thing that I can do to minister to this other person. Listen, ah, they probably will reject you. Ah, they probably don't need that right now. Listen, you're going to have something and he will tell you lies. He will deceive you. He will tell you you can't. He will minimize everything good in your life. 1 Corinthians chapter 12 and verse 18, look at this. But now hath God set the members, every one of them, in the body as it hath pleased him. Do you realize that God has placed you 
in the position you're in to please him? We're not talking about pleasing other people, although that will happen. We're not talking about pleasing ourselves, although that will happen. Listen, God has given you abilities. God has given you gifts that will please him if they are used. Do you know why Satan wants you to be deceived by your gifts? Because he doesn't want you to please God. He doesn't want you giving your gifts to God. Listen, he wants you to think they're old, dry, crusty. They're used up. They're worth nothing. Do you understand? God has a plan and a purpose for every single one of you. He's got a plan. He has placed you here at Bible Baptist Church today for a reason. If you're a member of Bible Baptist Church, he's placed you inside of this body for a reason. Every one of us has gifts. Every one of us has talents to be used for the glory of God. You might think you have nothing to offer. You might think, ah, I'm old. You might think, well, I'm new. You might think, well, I'm in between and I just don't know where I'm supposed to be anymore. I don't know what you're thinking. I don't know what deceit Satan is telling you. But can you understand this? If you believe that, it will weigh you down. You will never act upon the gift that God has given you. And ye, that will keep you from completing what God wants in your life. You will not please him. Because God has given you a specific gifting. God has given you something special. So he deceives us with the usefulness of our gifts. I'm going to move quickly. Number three, he deceives us with, I love this one, name dropping. Name dropping. Look at verse 9. And they said unto him, from a very far country thy servants are come, because of the name of the Lord thy God. For we have heard the fame of him, and all that he did in Egypt, and all that he did to the king, two kings of the Amorites that were beyond Jordan, to Sihon, king of Heshbon, and to Og, king of Bashan, which was at Ashtaroth. You know what they begin to do? They begin to recognize God in all of this. Now, true or false? Did God have anything to do with any of this? Absolutely. They're, they're saying truthful things. They're giving God the proper credit. But they're beginning to show that they have a mutual respect for God. This obviously flatters Joshua and the men of Israel. Oh, oh, you guys know, go, know God. You understand that this is God doing this and not us. I hope you see this. Satan claimed to know God and his thoughts. Satan used this same tactic in the Garden of Eden. Genesis chapter 3 and verse 5. He said this, For God doth know that in the day ye eat thereof, then your eyes shall be opened, and ye shall be as gods, knowing good and evil. He says God knows. God knows that this is what's going to happen. God knows this. And you begin to put yourself almost in the place of God and, and quote-unquote, have a mutual respect. Name-dropping implies that we know a person more than we actually do. I have name-dropped a few times in my life. I have tried to use it for not their benefit, but for my benefit. I want people to look at me and go better. You know, the best, best thing I always used to say is I'm dating Beth Bowler. Listen, everybody knew the Bowlers. 
everybody knew the Bullers. And in fact, people would come up to me and say, hey, are you dating Beth Bowler? And I'd be like, yeah, thank you. One time, my entire life, one time, somebody came up to me and said, are you a yeoman's? What? Yes, I am. Thank you for noticing. It was actually um, Pam Vanekemp's daughter. She knew me from when I was a kid. One time. But all the other times, I was being, becoming famous for who I was dating. Name dropping. Listen, that's what they're doing here. To put it in a better light, you know what it is? It's a character reference. It used to benefit the person. It's used to advance his character. It builds immediate trust. How does this play out? You will hear things like this from Satan. Understand. Well, Jesus wants you to be happy. I mean, Jesus said in his word that he wants to give you a life and, and a life more abundantly. So he wants you to be happy. You know, Jesus wouldn't withhold something from you that would make your life better. You, you will hear these things. And you know what we begin to believing that deceitful lie, and you know what we translate that as? We translate in that into doing what we want to do. Well, this is going to make me happy. It will make me happy to look at another woman, so I'm going to look at another woman. It will make me happy to listen to that kind of music, or it will make me happy to live my life how I want to live it. So it doesn't matter what God says in his word. It matters about my happiness. You see, name dropping is a very dangerous game to play. I want you to see number four, and I'll tie this all together. He deceives us with the promise to serve. The promise to serve. Verse 8. The Bible says this, and they said unto Joshua, we are thy servants. We are thy servants. This may or may not be true. I don't know if they fully meant to be servant to them or not. I don't know if they fully meant to give everything that they had to them. But if you come to find out, the people of Gibeon actually do end up serving them. They become wood hewers and water drawers for the children of Israel. So you're thinking, I hope that happens to me. I, I need a servant. I need somebody to draw my water for me and get my bath ready and make my dinner and all of these different things. I need somebody to do that. Can I, can I challenge you with this, though? What we think is going to serve us and we begin to look at ourselves and we begin to dwell on ourselves and what we want and we become so consumed with our happiness and, oh, that's going to serve me, what we don't realize is that we end up serving it more than we get served. I want to show you this. Look at verse 23 of chapter 9. The Bible says, Now therefore you are cursed, and there shall none of you be freed from being bondmen and hewers of wood and drawers of water for the house of my God. So they are servants. But jump down to ver or chapter 10 and look at verse 6. And the men of Gibeon sent unto Joshua to the camp to Gilgal, saying, Slack not thy hand from thy servants. Come to up, up to us quickly and save us and help us. For all the kings of the Amorites that dwell in the mountains are gathered together against us. So Joshua ascended from Gilgal, he and all the people of war with him, and all the mighty men of valor. 
You see, all of a sudden, now they're having to, now they're stuck with them. Now they have to protect them. Now they have to hold them. Listen, listen, you could, guy, you could be per- addicted to pornography. You could be addicted to all these things. And you'd be going, it's serving me. It's helping me. I like this type of music. I like this type of whatever. You can fill in the blank with whatever you want. Listen, it promises to serve you. But you understand what happens? It enslaves you. And you begin protecting it. Somebody comes to you and says, hey, I noticed something in your life. What's going on? Oh, no. No, no, no. It's not what you think. I've got it under control. No, 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 no. No, you you just don't understand. And you begin to make excuses and you begin to protect it and you begin to, you're stuck with it now. Satan will use this to deceive you and you know what it'll do? It'll weigh you down. He will tell you that you will be served by it. He will tell you that it will enrich your life. He will tell you that you can't live without it. You need it to be happy. But he never tells you that you will become a slave to it. We see this with drugs, alcohol, all kinds of different things. Personal example, I saw this with my grandpa. My grandpa started smoking at a very young age. I don't know if he started just because he thought it was cool or what. But my grandpa could not quit smoking. He tried. My dad said, if, you buy, if, you, if I buy you a gun, you are making a commitment to me to quit smoking. My grandpa said, okay. My dad bought my grandpa a beautiful gun. Beautiful, expensive gun. Never quit smoking. My grandpa quit smoking the day he had a stroke. Couldn't smoke anymore. Wanted to bad. But listen, guys, it will, it will enslave you. It will hold you. Don't believe the lie that it's going to serve you. Write this down. God is more concerned with your long-term joy than he is your short-term happiness. God is more concerned with your long-term joy than he is your short-term happiness. Let's look at a few verses. Psalm 1611. Thou wilt show me the path of life. Watch this. In thy presence is fullness of joy, and at thy right hand there are pleasures forevermore. Near to God. When you're close to God, there are pleasures forevermore. But look at Hebrews chapter 11 and verse 25. The Bible says this about Moses, choosing rather to suffer affliction with the people of God than to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season. You understand this, and I've said this before, we're not choosing between pleasure and not pleasure. We're choosing between for a season and forevermore. Sin is pleasurable for a season. That thing that you want to serve you is pleasurable for a season, but it's only a season. Listen, when you're at the right hand of God, pleasure's forevermore. Fullness of joy. There's a deceit out there, the deceit of the promise to serve. Listen to this. No matter what deceives you, deceit will weigh you down. The only way to be free from deceit, the only way to be free from the weight that does so easily beset us is to take counsel at the mouth of the Lord. I want to show you one last verse and I'm finished. 
John chapter 8, verse 31 and 32. Then said Jesus to those Jews which believed on him, If ye continue in my word, then are ye my disciples indeed. Look at verse 32. And ye shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. Some of you today that are struggling, you've been deceived. Listen, I'm not trying to say you're the worst person in the entire world and you're a reprobate and you, want, you, you just want to be against God. That's not what I'm saying. You've just been deceived. David was deceived. All kinds of people in the Bible were deceived. Listen, but it was deceit. If you want to be free from that, continue in the word of God. And you shall know the truth. And that's that truth that will guide your steps. And that will make you free. Free from the weight. Let's bow our heads and close our eyes.